0: Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org.
1: Surprisingly, not everyone wants to hear the good news. In fact, Pastor Greg Laurie says, be ready for some to act with outward hostility.
0: Jesus says, don't give what is holy to dogs. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the message of the crucifixion is insanity to the lost. So what do you do if someone laughs in your face? You just walk away. Why? Don't cast your pearls before a swine and don't give that which is holy to the dogs. That's why. This is the day.
1: In the highest-paid professions. All ten in the top ten are in the medical field. Anesthesiologists top the list. Their knowledge comes at a premium, but they can save your life. What believers know is worth even more spiritually, and it can save a life for eternity. But some resist hearing the life-saving good news. What then? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us be ready for those times when the hearers don't have ears to hear.
0: Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're in our Salt and Light series. And the title of the message is The Nonbeliever's Favorite Verse. And the verse that you will often hear from a nonbeliever is Judge not, lest you be judged, right? And when does this happen? This happens usually when we're talking to them about their need for Jesus Christ and telling them that maybe they need to turn from their sin and they get really indignant and they say, well doesn't the Bible say judge not lest you be judged? In other words, will you please go away now? It's their verse that they quote to make you stop talking to them. And the second favorite verse of non-believers is, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Now the problem is they totally misinterpret what those verses mean. So let's read the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 verse one, Judge not, lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, hey, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give that which is holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces." All right, so here's some takeaway truths from these verses. Point number one, if you're taking notes, as Christians, we should be discerning, but not condemning. Let me repeat that. As Christians, we should be discerning, but not condemning. Again, verse one, judge not lest you be judged. Now, the better way to translate the statement of Christ in Matthew seven, verse one, is not judge not lest you be judged, but rather condemn not lest you be condemned. There's a big difference. I am to make judgments. I am to make evaluations. I am to use my discernment. But having said that, I am not to condemn a person. I judge for identification, not for condemnation. Point number two, our desire should always be to restore not condemn a person in sin. Let me say that again. Our desire should always be to restore, not condemn a person in sin. We want to restore them. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6.1 about someone who has fallen spiritually. Brother, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should kick them while they are down and tell as many people as possible. You ever read that verse? No, you haven't, because it's not in the Bible. I just made it up. But by the actions of some, you would think it is in the Bible. Someone stumbles, hey, kick them when they're down. And tell everybody about their fall. No, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. I want to help you. See, that's what you do when someone has fallen. Your objective is to restore them again. Number three, I cannot see a speck in my friend's eye if I have a telephone pole in mine. Matthew 7 verse 3. Why do you look at a speck in your brother's eye and not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, oh, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. And so he's making a point that we're so quick to go after minutia in one Christian's life when we are guilty of a lot worse in our own life. And so the idea here is not that I should not try to help somebody who has uh, you know, some sawdust in their eye or a sin in their life. But before I can do it, I have to get it out of my own life. He says, first remove the plank. First confess your sin. You know, forgiven people should be forgiving people. And if you're so quick to judge others, here's my question for you. Are you prepared to be judged with the same type of judgment you give to others. Because that's exactly what Jesus says. Verse 2. With the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So be careful. Point number four. Some people just don't want our help. Some people just don't want our help. Verse 6. Don't give what is holy to dogs. Nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Casting a pearl before a swine is giving something valuable to someone who does not care. Pigs like to live in slop and filth. That's how pigs roll. The reason they live in the slop is that's actually how they cool themselves off. And so that's where they're comfortable. So you go up to your pig. And uh, a number of years ago, not so much today, but pigs were very popular as pets. Remember that, some of you? The, the people would get these little pot-bellied pigs. And it was a really great idea when they were little. Then one day you wake up and you have like this giant hog running up and down your hallway. <laughs> and uh, But if I give a pearl to a pig, a pig is not going to appreciate a pearl. Now I give him some fresh garbage, now we're talking, right? So that's the point. Casting your pearls before a swine is offering something valuable who does not care. Let me say it another way. Casting your pearls before a swine is sharing the gospel with someone who does not want to hear it. When I was a brand new Christian, I went out sharing my faith and uh, I was with a, a young guy, younger than me, and uh, we walked up to this really big biker dude, right? All tatted up, and wearing the vest, no shirt under it. And I thought, okay, you know, and... And uh, so the little guy that was with me started sharing the gospel with the biker, and the biker looked at him and said, "Shut up, man! I'll punch your face in." And I said, "Okay, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> now this little guy says no, and he kept like preaching at this biker, and the biker is getting really irritated. And then finally, the little guy says to him, "Okay, we'll leave, but because we're casting our pearls before pigs." I'm thinking, "Hey, oh. okay, this is an in-house verse, okay?" This is a verse we quote to explain something. That's not the one I quote to the person I'm talking to. (laughs) Now maybe it was relevant but there's a time and place for everything and that was not the time. Uh, Sometimes when you're sharing with people they'll turn on you. Years ago we were in Hawaii and uh, we were out uh, swimming around uh, with one of the local guys there and and so he, we had masks and fins on and stuff. And so he said, oh check this out. And down at the bottom there was some netting and there was a shark caught in the net. And so this guy says, I'm going to go free the shark with my knife. And we're like thinking this is amazing. So we're all like just kind of, we're really close watching. And this is, you know, a large enough shark to bite you. Okay. It wasn't like a 30 foot great white but it was a, a big enough shark. So I don't know why we're all just watching. It's so interesting because the shark looked like it was dead. So he goes down there he's cutting the net and the shark isn't moving, cuts the net. And all of a sudden the shark comes alive. life and comes out and he's swimming toward us and suddenly we realize that's a shark and we're close. What are we doing here? But we were so fascinated by watching this we weren't thinking rationally, right? Sometimes when you're trying to help someone they'll turn on you. And that's surprising to us. Because I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you how to be forgiven of your sin. Well, go away. I have a friend who's a dermatologist. Someone who's an expert in all things pertaining to your skin. And uh, in fact, whenever I'm with him, he's like, kind of looks at me. and goes, stop looking at my skin. Just stop. (laughs) Like, just look at my sleeve, you know, or something. (laughs) But uh, he was in a store and he was shopping and he saw a lady. What a very large malignant melanoma on her head. Now he knows what a malignant melanoma looks like. There's different kinds of skin cancer. There's uh, basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common. There's squamous cell, little medical lesson here. There's squamous cell, and then there's uh, melanoma. And the first two, you can have burned off or they freeze them, maybe you've had that done. Uh, I have. (laughs) And uh, then there's a melanoma. That's very serious. You need to get that removed immediately because it can potentially metastasize and be fatal. So he sees a large malignant melanoma on the face of this woman. He's very careful the way he approaches her. He says, ma'am, I'm a doctor. I'm a dermatologist. This is what I do for a living. And I I believe you have a malignant melanoma on your head. And I wish you would come see me tomorrow at my office. And And she got angry at him. And she wanted nothing to do with him. That's a big mistake. But when you dare to say to someone, I see something that's a problem, they'll get mad at you sometimes. Or like that shark, they'll turn on you. So sometimes it happens. So what do you do when you're sharing the gospel with someone and they don't want to hear it? You're gonna be surprised by my answer. Walk away. Walk away. You don't have to push it. Now sometimes people say they don't want to hear it, but they really do, okay? So you have to pray the Lord gives you Wisdom. But really, there are some people that literally don't want to hear it. And there might come a moment where you just say, well, look, I'm going to walk away. Why? Jesus says, don't give what is holy to dogs.
1: Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Emails, letters, and phone calls from listeners are so encouraging to us. And they let us know the effectiveness of these studies.
2: Hi, Pastor Greg. I want to thank you for helping me learn and understand the Word of God. I also wanted to let you know how much I appreciate your sense of humor. Even in my darkest times, when I listen to your sermons, I can go from crying to laughing. Keep up the wonderful work of God, and God bless you and your family.
1: What an encouragement to hear that Pastor Greg's teachings are helping this woman and many others like her. Let us know how these studies have impacted you. Send an email to Pastor Greg, greg at harvest.org. Again, that's greg at harvest.org. Well, we're considering some interesting instruction from Jesus today. Sometimes we face hostility in sharing the gospel. What does Jesus say about that? Don't give what's holy to dogs. Pastor Greg continues now.
0: What is the deal with dogs nowadays, by the way? I mean, I love dogs, okay? Dogs are great. I've had a lot of dogs. Uh, I don't have one at present. But uh, people with dogs, it seems to almost be getting bizarre. <laughs> you know, with everyone with the dogs everywhere. And, and you know, taking them in every place and, and, you know, feeding the dog off the table and, and acting like the dog is one of their children. And and you already know, pushing the dogs on the strollers. It's just, <laughs> it's so weird. And, and I actually read an article from a travel magazine about all these amenities they have for dogs now. There's hotels for dogs. This is the latest thing. And you can go and get your dog a massage therapist. And uh, I'm not making any of this up. And one hotel offers a special podicure for the dog. Not a pedicure, a podicure, right? There's even a dog surf package at a hotel down in San Diego. The author of the article wrote about his own experience dining with his dog. He said, quote, I guess a dog can be a pretty good date. Okay. (laughs) Um, Whatever. He says, I told the waiter when he arrived with our entrees of filet mignon for my dog and salmon for me. And then the bill came and I noticed the dog's meal was more expensive than mine but at least there was enough left over in the doggy bag so both of us can eat later. (laughs) The phrase get a life comes to mind but apart from that you know your dog doesn't want a podicure. Do you know your dog does not want a massage therapist? Your dog wants to eat junk out of a gutter. Your dog wants to drink toilet water. You know why? Because your dog is a dog. And that's what dogs do. So we take the holy things of God and we offer it to someone that has no appreciation whatsoever for it. You might just walk away. They might even laugh in your face. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But for those of us who believe it's the very power of God. Another translation of that verse says, the message of the crucifixion is insanity to the lost. So what do you do if someone laughs in your face? You just walk away. Why? Don't cast your pearls before a swine and don't give that which is holy to the dogs. That's why. There's a time when you just say, "Okay, we're not having this conversation. Even Jesus did this. Do you realize that? Even Jesus did this. Jesus had a prolonged conversation with a cruel Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, but he did not say a single word to King Herod. You ever notice that? Why? Because Jesus knew that Herod had no interest whatsoever in his life or ministry or his teachings, and so literally when he appeared before Herod, he was silent. There's an interesting passage over in the Gospel of John, chapter two, It says when Jesus was in Jerusalem, uh, people noticed the signs he was doing. And they noticed that they pointed to God. And so they entrusted their lives to him. That sounds good. People saw miracles and they entrusted their lives to him. Oh, but read the rest of the verse. But he did not entrust his life to them. What? What is that? I don't understand that. Let me translate it another way. They believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. Well, I thought God wanted to make Himself known to every person. Yes, He wants to make Himself known to every person who really wants to know Him. But there are people that say they want to know Him, but they don't want to know Him. These people were drawn to Jesus because they saw His miracles, but they had no interest in His message. It's that way today in church. Some people come because, oh, I like this or I like that. Some peripheral thing but they're not really into a relationship with Christ himself. Listen, if a person really wants to know God, they will listen to the message of the gospel. In fact, it's a way to really test someone. Because people will say all the time, I'm seeking truth. Oh, are you? Yes. I want to know the truth. Oh, well, that's amazing. Well, listen, I'd like to share with you some truth from the Bible. Put, 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 please put that away. What's the Bible? I believe it's a truth. I don't even don't even want to hear it. Have you ever read it? No? Well, can I quote to you from it? Because Je- I don't want to hear the Bible. Well, no, but Jesus said, I am the way, of the truth. No, I don't want to hear about what Jesus said. Put that away. I don't want to. And all of a sudden they get aggravated and angry with you. Okay. I suggest to you that person does not want to know the truth. Because if they don't believe this is the Word of God, if they believe this is just a bunch of made up stories, what do they care if you believe it? What do they care if you quote it? It's not true, right? Well, no, it's not true. Full of contradictions. Okay, right. Could you show me one? No, but it is. All right. You can believe that if you want to. But really what you're saying is you know there's power in the message of this book. This is the same reason that people take the Lord's name in vain. Why they punctuate a sentence with the holy name Jesus Christ. Why would you do that? A person that say, I'm an atheist. And then some irritates them and they'll say, Jesus Christ. You go, oh, wait, why would you say Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus? Of course not. Why do you say the name Jesus Christ? Why don't you say another name? Why don't you say Hare Krishna? You know Why? Why don't you say Buddha? Why not Buddha? You say Jesus Christ. And you say you don't believe in Jesus Christ yet you use His name like that. I think again, just like with people not wanting to see the Bible, in their own way they are acknowledging the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I actually do. So if you want to know the truth, God will make Himself known to you. God will reveal Himself to true seekers because the Bible says, God speaking, those that seek Me will find me. Maybe some of you need restoration. You've broken your arms spiritually. You've fallen and you can't get up. You don't know how to get right with God again. There was a time when you were close to Jesus and you read your Bible every day and you prayed and you went to church and everything was great. And then one thing led to another and you hung around with some people that got you going the wrong direction. And before you knew it you are back in the pit. In fact before you knew it you were worse off than you were when you were a non-believer and you came to Christ the first time. You thought, how did I get here? I hate this. But more to the point, how do I get out of here? How do I get out of this pit? Well, you need help. Someone will reach down and pull you out. And the Lord will pull you out and he might do it through a Christian friend who will give you a helping hand and say, here's what you need to do. You need to admit you've sinned, own it, don't make excuses for it and make a break with the past and start following Christ, you can be restored, no matter what you've done. But there are some of you that maybe have never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sin. And this is all kind of new to you. Well look, He can come into your life and forgive you and transform you because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came to this earth he was born in that little manger in bethlehem and then he lived a perfect life and then he died a perfect death on a cross he voluntarily went to the cross and died for your sin and for my sin for our sin he paid the price for all the wrongs we've done he absorbed the wrath of his father in heaven that should have come on you and on me and he took it on himself he paid the price for our sin And then he rose again from the dead and now he's alive of course and here with us and he's standing at the door of your life and he is knocking and he's saying if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. Would you like Jesus Christ to come into your life? Would you like to be forgiven of your sin? Or would you like to be restored to God? It can happen for you right now. In a moment we're gonna pray and I'm going to extend an invitation for you to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. An opportunity for you to ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord or an opportunity for you to get back up on your feet spiritually because you've stumbled and you've fallen. So respond if you need to as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for your love for us and sending Jesus to die in our place. And Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will now work on the hearts of those that are here and those that are watching who do not yet know you. Help them to see their need for you, Lord. Help them to come to you. Help them to believe in you. Help them to be forgiven by you right now, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Important closing prayer from Pastor Greg Laurie. And if you'd like to do as Pastor Greg suggested and make things right in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg will help you do that in just a moment before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. We can all use some help sharing our faith, right? Sometimes unbelievers ask some tough questions, don't they? Well, we have a resource that will give you new confidence in sharing Christ. It's called Person of Interest by retired cold case detective J. Warner Wallace, Jim Wallace. He uses what he knows as a detective to investigate the person of Christ and who he claims to be. It's a factual view of Christ. Well, Jim is with us today. Uh, Pastor Greg? I wanted to ask you this. You know, Jesus said... People don't come to the light because
0: they don't want their evil deeds That's exposed. Right. Sometimes people put up a smoke screen. We don't even know if they believe the things they're espousing, but they throw a lot of things at you, maybe hoping that you'll just go away. How do you know, Jim, when it's a smoke screen that one should try to answer each of their objections, or if it's just really a person that? isn't going to respond to anything you say because they're choosing to not believe in Jesus because they don't want to change the way they live.
2: Yeah. Well, there's three reasons why anyone rejects a truth claim, right? Mm -hmm. One is rational. Yeah. They don't think there's enough evidential reason for this. The second one is emotional. Mm -hmm. They've had some experience with other Christians or their parents, whatever, that they emotionally respond. And the third is volitional. They just don't want to ever bend their knee. Well, it turns out that Mm -hmm. almost all um, That's a great summation. Well, problem. yeah, the, all, all of this—if you think about all of the what you hear from people yeah. it's going to sound like it's a rational objection. So the mm-hmm. volitional objectioner, yeah. the objector, the the emotional objector is yeah. going to sound is going to say something that sounds like it's a rational objection, yes. but is actually probably emotional or volitional. Mm-hmm. I actually think that almost. 80 percent of, of objections are volitional Wow, and uh, some are emotional and a very small percentage are pe- because people haven't even investigated the case one way no. or the other. That's but true. they'll say, oh, there's, this, 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 there's no reason to believe in miracles. Is that really your objection or is there something else? And so you can ask good questions. Mm-hmm. One of the questions a friend of mine, Frank Turk, and I always ask is, if we could demonstrate evidentially that Christianity is true, would you become a Christ follower? Hmm. Well, I don't think it's true. No, no. I'm saying if just a a thought experiment, if we could somehow demonstrate this beyond any doubt that this is true, would you become a Christ? You'd be surprised some people would say no. Wow. And if that's the case, you know it's not a head issue. It's a heart issue, that's right? It. And so what we do on juries is I don't spend a lot of time – there are some people that prosecutors do not want on the jury. And there are people that defense attorneys do not want on the jury. These I call these ones and fours. There are people who are too entrenched in their view. They're not going to change their mind. They're not going to be fair. We're looking for twos and threes, people who are on one side or the other, but they mm-hmm. are open-minded enough to listen to the evidence and make the right inference. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do I think is I'm talking to people, I have to figure out are they a one and a four? I mean are these Somebody who, right now, God has not moved them into position three. Mm-hmm. And so I can spend all this time and they're just going to, they see me as a, you know, they're a hammer looking for a nail. Mm-hmm. And this is on, and by the way, social media exposes these kinds of people quickly. You probably see this on Facebook. Yes. You got family members you've tried to communicate Jesus to. And they will, basically, they're just a hammer and you're the nail. And at yeah. some point, you have to realize, okay, I'm going to now, instead of spending a lot of time preaching at them, sharing evidence with them, I'm now going to be in. Pray and model mode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be praying that God – this is my own parent. My own dad is in this c- category. You pray for that person mm-hmm. and you model Christ for that person. Wow. And then at some point, I, I think God will flip that switch for that person. You know,
0: I think what I love about the way you present this truth, Jim, is that it's like um, it's knowledge on fire. Mm. It's like it's knowledge. This is filled with information that's going to help people. But it, you're on fire. You're passionate about what you're doing. You know, this is not just something an academic pursuit. It is that. And, and you have so many footnotes to back up what you've said. So this is clearly a well-researched book. But yet at the same time, I love your passion because ultimately your goal is to just see people
2: come to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, a lot of it is from listening to you, well. <laughs> to be honest. So passion is contagious. Well. And if you say, hey, you know, why is it my kids aren't as passionate as I'd like them to be or my mm. friends are – well, are we as passionate – Because what happens is passion begets passion. So as from listening to your radio show that has helped me to be passionate as well. Well, thank you very much. Passion is contagious. And I
0: think you're going to get some of that passion when you get a copy of this book by J. Warner Wallace called Person of Interest. You can see that Jim knows what he's talking about here. And you're going to have it right in front of you. All the footnotes, all the facts, even the illustrations made a very understandable So you don't have to be a great academic to understand this. This is something for everyone. As Jim described it to me, it's a kid's book for adults. Uh, So we want to get you a copy of Person of Interest by J. Warner Wallace as quickly as possible. And so for your gift of
1: any size, we'll get it into your hands. And you're going to love this. Yeah, you absolutely will. The full title is Person of Interest, Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. And it's our way of showing appreciation for partnering with us so these daily studies can keep coming your way. It's only through listener investments that that's possible. So get in touch today with your donation, and we'll be glad to thank you with the book Person of Interest. You can write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514, or call one eight hundred eight two one thirty three hundred. 821 3300 That's one 800 821 3300, or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, a few moments ago, you spoke of the need to get our hearts right with God. Mm -hmm. Could you help someone who wants to do that very thing right now?
0: Yes, I'd be delighted to. Listen, as you've listened to this program today, maybe something's been happening inside of your heart where you're sensing, I need to do this personally, but how do I do it and what do I do? Let me help you. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple you may be shocked. God, this relationship with him is just a prayer away. The Bible says if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you do just that. You call on the name of the Lord. This can be the moment where you change your eternal address literally from hell hell to heaven. Just pray these words. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen. I know. It's such a simple, short prayer. But you just called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He heard that prayer. And if you meant that prayer in your heart, he answered that prayer. Now let me help you to get started on the right foot in your new life in Jesus Christ. The greatest adventure awaits you, the life of walking with God. I want to send you what we call a New Believers Growth Pack that includes the New Believers Bible and a whole lot more. And let me be the first to say
1: to you, congratulations. And welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that free New Believers Growth Pack, just ask for it if you prayed along with Pastor Greg to receive Christ. We'll be glad to send one your way free of any charge. Write us at A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to Harvest.org and click Know God. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Trials, problems, challenges, it's a part of life. As believers, how do we cope when life has brought us to our knees? Important insight coming next time on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie.
2: The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at Harvest.org.